I think one of the things that this has opened my eyes to is that if you're an HR professional, go to a water park class. You know what I mean? Go to a security class, go do something else, right? If you're a um, immersive person, right? Go to an HR class, go, go to those classes, maybe one where I know that time is limited because there's so many things to do and see, but go to something that you don't necessarily think will be 100% for you because you never know where you're going to get a really cool nugget that you can apply in a different way that somebody else is talking about. And they're talking about it in a really passionate way that you could apply to your business in some way. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Keep connecting with IAPA in 2024. Join your colleagues and peers at the IAPA FEC Summit from January 21st to the 23rd in San Antonio, Texas. Or plan to celebrate the industry's most significant achievements at the new IAPA Honors Event held in conjunction with the IAPA North America Summit, March 3rd through the 5th in Las Vegas. We can't wait to see you there. Visit IAPA.org. That's I-A-A-P-A dot org for more information. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Well, today, and I've said this before, and only today, maybe tomorrow, I'm doing fantastically. How are you? I'm good. And maybe next Tuesday, too. At least every every Attraction Pro's release day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing really well. Question for you. Yeah. You've been in this business quite a while, the uh -huh. attractions industry. What do you think is one of the best indicators of how well the industry is doing as a whole? Interesting. Um, I think there's kind of an overall sentiment, you know, that, that people have, like, you know, we could say during COVID that there was a, there was a, a, a blanket, a cloud a little bit over some of the people, you know, in the industry. And, and there was, there was a lot of trepidation, a lot of uncertainty at that time. Um, I think one of the indicators is kind of the mood of people within the industry. Um, and probably the best place to judge that mood, which may be where you're going with this, is at the little conference that happens in November at IAPA. And when the mood is up there and the, and the, um, the attendance is up and things are, you know, bright and shiny and everybody is thinking about the future and everybody is thinking about how great things are. I think that, you know, from the inside, you know, not to talk about, you know, attendance and, and, you know, at, at parks and revenue and all that kind of stuff, but from the inside, just the feeling, I think that's a great indicator as, of, as far as how people are feeling about the industry. Well, I think you just touched on my first takeaway from the 2023 IAPA Expo. I, you know, every year when we see the people who are there, we see how many people who are there 
and we see the energy and we feel the energy of the people who are there, I feel like that is one of, if not the best indicator of the overall health of the global attractions industry. And obviously, yes, like you said, we can look at these, these are what attendance numbers are. These are what the projects look like going into the next year. These are the parks that are opening. These are the movers and shakers in the business. Uh, but you can't feel as that, you can't feel that nearly as well as you can as when you are in the concourse and on the show floor and at the events at the IAPA Expo. And like you said, with the pandemic, there was there was that cloud over the industry. Uh, as we as we remember, the expo in 2020 was canceled for all the right reasons. It was moved to be a virtual education conference. And there was a lot of there was a lot of optimism, but there was also some caution and I don't want to say skepticism, but but people people were worried. A lot of the the virtual sessions, you know revolved around what this means for the industry going forward. And then going into 2021, the expo was back in person. Attendance was understandably down because there was a lot of uh, travel restrictions that were still in place. And there were a lot of businesses that were still coming back and, and perhaps weren't able to justify sending as many people or organizations that weren't able to exhibit. And, and you could sense that. You could sense that everyone was very happy to be there. But it, it didn't feel the same as it did in 2019. In 2022, kept building back up again. You could feel the, the energy coming back. And Matt, I got to say, in 2023, it felt electric. I mean, the amount of people and the excitement and the enthusiasm that people had and the amount happening on the trade show floor, the amount happening in the ex expo sessions, the lines of, of people wrapped around the hallway to, to get in showed that at least I believe the health of the industry right now is continuing to rebound, is uh, in such a fantastic place and is poised for so much growth going into 2024 and beyond. So as you and probably a lot of our listeners know, I was not there. So I'm going to live vicariously through the electricity that you're talking about. Um, can you describe kind of how that electricity manifested itself? Was it in the greetings with other people? Was it, you know, in the amount of people maybe that went to an event? I know you said that the lines were around the around the corner for, for a lot of the, uh, the education sessions. So where were you feeling that electricity the most? Man, it's so hard to describe because it, it felt it felt like it was just woven into all of the interactions and, and all of the events. I but I think er, everywhere I'd go, there were so many people, right? And and there were so many people who were so excited to see each other again, just like you know, that the expo is is the big family reunion for the industry. I uh, the the crowds on the show floor uh, definitely felt they felt to me substantially higher than in previous years. The amount of booths and exhibits that were displaying something new that were showcasing the new products. And I know that that's, you know, what, what we see every single year for me, I don't know. It felt like there was just more of, of all of that this year. So I don't think I can give you a concrete answer. It just, to me, felt like there was uh, just a, a greater sense of, of crowd and, and advocacy for the industry. Well, I wonder if, you know, what we talked about during the pandemic, it was that pent up demand, right? And maybe it's taken a couple of years for that to manifest itself into the full, you know, electricity and the full energy 
that the show really deserves. That's true. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, you know, the the uh, exhibit space on the floor was completely sold out. So if you recall the last couple of years, there were uh, edge talks that were done on the show floor. They they carved out at a space of of the show floor to deliver those edge talks. They couldn't do those on the show floor. Uh, so they were moved onto the concourse, which that, uh, and, and I was talking to Michael Shelton about this, and and he he talked about kind of how that idea was was inspired, and that's initially what it was what it was even supposed to look like. It was so cool because when you think about it, you go to the education sessions, you show up early, you wait in line, you find your seat. With these edge talks now, you kind of just stumble upon it. You kind of just just walk into it. So I think that that contributed to the energy in the concourse, and that and that's one example of so many ways they just added. I would almost call it streetmosphere of of what we would see in a theme park where you're like, man, the energy in this park is really high. Things like that that brought up the just the overall energy in the in the convention center. Well, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, so believe it or not, I've got a couple of takeaways. I'm so excited. So so there's one right there. The yes. the expo is reflective of the health of the overall industry. What is your first takeaway? So my first takeaway, you know, I watched it from afar uh, this year from home and I couldn't help but in some ways feel like I was there because of all the things that people were sharing, right? And, you know, you sent me a great video from from your, your education session. Uh, people sent me some texts and things like that. And it was just, it was great to feel like I was part of it. But what I really noticed is I got to st- kind of take a, a bird's eye view of the industry and and the people I'm connected with on LinkedIn, you know, they're um, maybe in different parts of the industry, manufacturers and people from different types of uh, facilities and, you know, all over the industry. And what I found, especially watching, you know, the posts on LinkedIn is that there's so many different things that people are passionate about. It was actually quite inspiring because when I go to the expo, And, you know, I'm going to look at this a little differently uh, moving forward, but I'm usually really focused on, you know, HR and the people side of the business. And, you know, that's really where I focus in my business. But, you know, there's so many people that are so, they've got the same level of excitement for security and food and beverage and merchandise and entertainment and all the all the cool stuff that was on the trade show floor it was really like i said inspiring to see people that were that passionate about their part of the business as i am about mine and again it made me realize you know i probably knew this that all that passion was out there but when i go to the expo like i said i'm really hyper focused on you know my part of the expo or the things that I'm going to be involved in. And maybe I don't get to see all of those things. So, you know, it really expanded my, my view of the expo and what it has to offer. And that, you know, there's so much out there, which is good, which is the way it should be. Um, And I think I'm going to view the experience of the expo maybe a little differently next year when I go. And that's just one of the great things about IAPA Expo is because with tens of thousands of people who are in attendance every single year uh, it's great to almost have like the track for what this is this is who i am this is what i'm passionate about this is what i need and have the ability to to navigate that way and i, I don't want to say get distracted by everything else but you know the things that might not necessarily apply directly to your career 
you can you can focus on just the things that do while you also have the opportunity to say, you know, I am just going to go for a walk on the trade show floor and see what I stumble across and learn about something new that I hadn't, you know, hadn't particularly thought of before. And then I'll gain an, an appreciation for another side of the business that, you know, that I hadn't had before. I, you know, like you and I, we focus so much on the people side of the business. You focus, uh, you know, on, on the HR side, I focus on the, the guest experience side. And there are so many people that focus on the immersive side, the engineering side, the roller coaster side, the VR side, the inflatable side. Uh, some people go there because they they want to see the newest innovations of trash cans, right? Uh, there were uh, the, the food and beverage pavilion this year included um, a specific uh, like alcohol and adult beverage section that uh, we know as a massive revenue driver in you know in, in so many different facilities. So those who are focused specifically in that area uh, can hone in on on so many different things. But you're right, there's so many things to be passionate about within the industry, and and I think that's one of the things that makes IAPA Expo so great is because it's it's all there under one roof. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the track and I know that there's some uh, groups like there's a museum track and water parks and things like that, where you could really, like you said, hone in on those things that are really specific to you. And I know that there's a lot of people that like to do that. I think one of the things that this has opened my eyes to is that if you're an HR professional, go to a water park class. You know what I mean? Go to a security class, go do something else, right? If you're a um, immersive person, right? Go to an HR class, go, go to those classes, maybe one where I know that time is limited because there's so many things to do and see, but go to something that you don't necessarily think will be 100% for you because you never know where you're going to get a really cool nugget that you can apply in a different way that somebody else is talking about. And they're talking about it in a really passionate way that you could apply to your business in some way. So, you know, that's where I kind of go back and forth. The track is great, you know, but at the same time now I'm, I'm really, you know, getting in the mindset of let's break out of that track a little bit and let's find those other little nuggets that can help you where you can maybe think a little more creatively. Yeah. Uh, there was one time many years ago and it was, it was when I was working in guest services at Universal and I went to IAPA Expo and I went to a class on maximizing birthday party operations within FECs completely so far disconnected from, you know, from my job at the time, but I sat there and I observed I was, and and I remember thinking like, I might not have any like immediate takeaways from this that I can implement into my job, but I have such a greater appreciation for something that I knew nothing about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it also reminds me of, of, of gentlemen I saw speak at IAPA a number of years ago and he was talking about creativity and he was from Disney. And he said, one of the things that he encouraged his team to do because they traveled a lot to different places is when you're in the airport, you go to the airport bookstore and buy a book or a magazine that has nothing to do with your, uh, uh, your job, right. And read through it. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, when they got back, <clears throat> he said, now you read that magazine or book that had nothing to do with your job. What did you take away from that that you think could help us, you know, look at things a little differently or approach something from a different uh, a different lens? Uh, that's where innovation comes from. That's where, you know, finding new ways to do things that may show up on the trade show floor next year because you did that this year. Mm, well said. Well yeah. said. Yeah. All right. So do you have another one? I do. I have I have a couple more. All right. Nice. So that's number two. Nice. 
number three, and the second one for me, this is about something that I am passionate about and that I did spend a lot of my time talking about. <laughs> and it's about the guest experience. In addition to uh, my education sessions and, uh, and a number of events and uh, uh, and all other commitments throughout the week, I had about 35 meetings uh, over the course of the week uh, to talk to people about their guest experience. And there was one thing that I noticed became a trend that I had always suspected, but hadn't really spoken to so many people about it in depth that I think there's some changes that need to be made in the way that we train employees, frontline employees on guest service. So many people told me that as part of their guest service training for their frontline staff, they do not include service recovery and complaint resolution. Now, uh, one of my sessions during the show was called the Real World Guest Service, which was all about the fact that you want to provide a 100% amazing experience to every single guest that you interact with, and you're going to be as proactive as possible to make sure that you get zero complaints. But in reality, in the real world of guest service, you are not going to satisfy every single guest every single time, which means that guest complaints and service failures are part of your standard operation. So this message that I, I crafted, and I think I got even more passionate about, about it throughout the entire week as it built upon and compounded on itself, is that frontline team members need to be able to resolve service failures and complaint issues, and that that needs to be incorporated within guest service training. Because anytime an employee says, let me get my manager, everybody loses, right? The guest loses because now they're frustrated and the problem that they had, that's festering. And now that that's, that's even bigger than it was before. That employee who said that, they're frustrated because now they're knocked out of their routine. And now they've got maybe more guests kind of piling behind them that they're going to need to serve when they get back. And then the manager, well, they're busy, right? They're, you're, you're in the back room, you know, doing payroll or, or schedules or you're putting out a fire over here and now you're pulled out of that. So this came up so many times throughout the week that... I, I need to stress the importance as someone who's very passionate about this, that complaint resolution and service recovery need to be part of standard operations and therefore part of guest service training. What if we started with that? This is just thinking outside the box, maybe, right? But a lot of times we start with, here's our expectations. Here's what the guests are expecting. Here's our uh, the way that we will provide service. We will greet them and we will smile and we will do all these things. But if this is so important, which it is, right, is that something that we should start with or bring in earlier? Or when do we bring in, maybe that's the question for you as the expert, when do we bring in the service recovery piece? Well, it definitely needs to be brought in earlier. Uh, do we start with it? I think I think where you're going with it is setting the proper expectation for the employee of what their job is going to be like. Is that? Yes, 100%. Yeah, 100%. of saying like, yeah, you've seen the commercials and everyone's smiling in the commercials and the, and the brochure. And yes, the vast majority of our guests are happy. And it is your job to make sure that those that aren't are able to have the experience that we want for them, uh, that we want for them to have. And you are going to be empowered and equipped with the tools to be able to get dissatisfied guests back over to satisfaction. So Okay, that's that's a good hypothesis. Let's start with service recovery. Yeah, well, and it, it gets right back to your real world 
guest service, right? The real world guest experience, knowing that not everything looks like the brochure or the commercial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to let that marinate for a bit and see sure. where we can take it. But uh, I mean, for those out there listening, watching, tell us, tell us what you think. Have, yeah. Is it is it part of your training for frontline staff? And do you slash would you start with it as foundational training? Mm. Question to ponder. I would I would expand that question. Um, is this something you're addressing with your leadership? Because some things that I've found sometimes when when we talk about equipping our leaders, the only time they're actually dealing with it is when they're dealing with it, right? Yeah. We're not we're not doing role plays. We're not doing situational um, exercises to put people through their paces to see if they can handle it and what they would do in those situations. We may give them a, a one two three. Here's what you do, or here's here are the options, you know. But are we emotionally preparing them to handle those kind of situations? Mm-hmm. Very good points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Lots to think about there. I think so. Right. I think so. What's your next one? My next one again. Got to see this from a bird's eye view, got to see this through the lens of a lot of people that were there. And what I noticed was that even beyond the training classes and the edu talks and you know all that, there's actually a lot of personal and professional development that happens through the course of just being at IAPA. And here's what I mean. I saw a number of people who said, I spoke for the first time, or I did it for the first time by myself. And wow, what an accomplishment that was, right? To get over that fear, to overcome that that demon maybe that you had inside of you, like, I can't do this. Or somebody might have imposter syndrome thinking that I'm not good enough. Who am I to get it up on an IAPA stage and talk to people about something when so many people in the audience, they could teach this class, right? They're much smarter than I am. Who am I to get up there? And yet here they are getting up on stage, providing information, providing inspiration, getting over that fear that has got to be such a confidence builder right, for people that goes beyond just delivering the information at IAPA, but now that's going to be something that they carry with them when they get back to work in terms of their confidence level and their ability maybe to address executives or to present an idea and to not let that that cool idea that they had based on the book that they read, don't leave that in your head, right? Mm -hmm. So now they've got that extra confidence, like, I did that, now what else can I do? Hmm. I felt every single one of those things you just mentioned. <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I love that that was one of your takeaways, because I think that's one of the things that um, can get lost in the shuffle if, if I'm, I'm just scrolling while I'm at the expo and trying to catch up on posts. So I'm glad that you were able to, to make that, that observation from afar. Um, I, I think I, you know, that like we, we can even expand upon that to, you know, for people, if you're speaking and getting over your fears of, of public speaking, there's also the fear of networking too. So we can we can distill that down to even just the small things that we need to do at events like IAPA Expo of, I was at the opening reception. I went up to someone who I'm connected with on LinkedIn, or I follow them on LinkedIn, but we've never spoken before. And I introduced myself and I didn't make it awkward. You know, something like that. Th- I mean, 
that right there is, okay, what's that going to build upon? Maybe that will build upon the, here's someone who um, maybe they're hiring and I want them to hire me. And, and I got over that fear to, to go and, and approach them. Or maybe, you know, we can do business together if they, if they hire me, if they hire my company, right? If I can, if I can make a sale or something like that, I'm trying to think of all the different, all the different goals that everybody has for, you know, for networking and at IAPA Expo and then leading to, uh, you know, to, to now I'm, I'm speaking on stage. Uh, I did something I had never done before, at least definitely not by myself. I hosted an event. I, I, I really kind of took kind of a big risk and said, I rented out space and invited a whole bunch of people and said, let me buy you a drink. It was in celebration of my book launch. And all those questions that you were talking about were really running through my head of, of are people going to show up? Uh, why would they show up? Uh, you know, like what, what, if, what if I, what if there's not enough people there? What if there's too many people there? All, you know, all of those questions. I overcame a fear for myself and now I want to do that again, right? And, and now I'm excited about having accomplished it. So think of all the things, big or small, that you accomplished during IAPA Expo and see how those can build upon. You can now just take that next little step into getting somewhere, somewhere a little bit bigger. Absolutely. And I think when when I go back to the things that you and I talk about, which you just mentioned a, a couple of things, you know, introduce yourself to someone, go to a a education session and sit next to someone you don't know, right? And just strike up a conversation. All those little things add up to a big level of confidence that you you can you can again take into into something else. So I don't know how to quantify that. And that's really unfortunate because so often when we look at okay, you know, an, an organization is deciding how many people to send to IAPA, right? Or send to any conference. And they look at, okay, how much is the hotel going to be? What's the registration going to be? The flights, the meals, you know, all that stuff that you have to kind of have an ROI on. But what about the the personal and professional development and the confidence boost that doing something like that is going to be for the team. And you don't really get to see that until afterwards, but you know, there, there's gotta be some way to maybe quantify that so that you could say, this is what's going to be the outcome. Yes. You're going to spend all that money. Here's the ROI. Here's the return on investment. I'm going to be that much more of a productive employee, not just based on what I learn, but based on what I experience. Yeah, I, I think the ROI takes years probably to to really see. And it's maybe it's a little bit of a gamble and a risk, but it's probably gonna be worth it in more circumstances than not. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, do you have another one? I think you said you had a couple. couple I, I do have another one. I yeah. Yeah. So this one is going to play off of that last one okay. and the the professional development piece. Uh, but it was one thing that I know it's an organization you've worked with for many years, and I had the opportunity to work with them this year. And I was so amazed uh, and so fascinated by their strategy and their decision to do this. And of course, I'm talking about the Big Bear Group for Lund, Lund Gruppen. Yes. Uh, our friend Glenn Andre Vistaba, who's been on the podcast. Wow, but five years ago it was pretty early on. I feel like it was it was a while ago. Yeah, I had the opportunity to work with his team of young leaders, and when I heard about just their itinerary for the week, let alone the workshop that I did with them before the expo started, 
I I was blown away at the the level of of investment that uh, that they take. Uh, so, for example, they brought 16 people from from Europe, from Denmark, uh, Norway, Sweden, and they they all stayed in one giant Airbnb in Kissimmee, um, which that house was awesome. It had like a game room. It was like there was like a minions room. And yeah, it was it was like one of those like very themed like vacation rental homes. And uh, I, I only know that because that was where I did the workshop. I, I went there and, and did it like in the living room with with the team there. Um, but they came and they they did a couple days at Disney. They did a day at Legoland. They did a day at Universal. Uh, and that was all before the expo started. And when we did the workshop together, we were able to connect all these dots and say, well, what did you learn from Disney? How did how did the experience at Disney differ from the experience at Legoland. And, and we were able to talk about a lot of practical things that they were able to then bring back and implement at their operation at Conga Park and Skull's Drew Park. I'm probably not pronouncing those correctly, but <laughs> <laughs> the, where I'm getting at is the level of investment that they make in their leaders is substantial. And, and what they say is, you know, most people, especially if they're coming internationally, they'll bring their C-suite and their board of directors and they can have all those high level meetings. We bring our young leaders to develop the talent and we see it play out in the park and we see the, those investments come back. Um, I was talking to uh, uh, to um, to the the uh, CEO of the company he said they've been doing it for 25 years, I believe is is what he told me, which is longer than I think any or at least most of the, the people who are in the group are, have even been alive. So seeing how long they've been doing that and they've built up this track record of investing in their team to bring them to IAPA Expo really just sends the message of saying, invest in your team and bring them to IAPA Expo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, Glenn Andre, he started out as a big bear. Right. And that's, yeah. that's where I met him many, many years ago. And now he's uh managing director of two of the parks. He's, you know, overseeing, you know, both those properties and, you know, just to see his trajectory over the years has been just amazing. Now, of course, not everybody, you know, gets to that level, but your point about the investment, I think is right on the money because no pun intended, uh, because you get this young group of leaders and they're so impressionable and so, um, so hungry for information. And I just love working with them. I think they're just a, an amazing group. Um, but then when you think about all the experiences that they get to have, and like you said, you get to connect all those dots. I can just imagine when they get back home to Europe, they got to be exhausted, you know, <laughs> just, just from all the stuff that they've done. Um, but what a learning experience, man. If, if I could have done that when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, it would have been just, just, just an amazing entry into the industry and to see all those different uh, facets, you know, again, Disney, Universal, Legoland, and then the IAPA Expo to get all of that networking and education. I mean, there's, it's amazing. That's yeah. the word I can think of. It's the it's, only it's word like of. almost incalculable. It is. Return you get on that investment. And it goes back to that old saying of, you know, one executive says, you know, why should we, why should we invest in developing our team uh, if they might leave us? And then the other executive said, well, what if they don't, what if we don't invest in them and they stay? And they stay. And, uh, and, and then that leads the argument of, of, yeah, you you know you put that money into developing the talent and you see it pay returns within your organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, think of also, just to tie it back to what I was talking about, you've got these folks who, you know, 
I don't know how well they know each other before they come over here, but now they've got a bond, right? Mm. And when I think about what helps leaders become successful, it's not that they can do everything on their own, but they have to build these relationships with other people. And what a great way to bond people to each other so that they have those relationships when they get back. So again, you know, this, this, this is not a bring your whole team to IAPA episode, but you know, if you're thinking about bringing some, some folks to IAPA, think about the, the bond and the, the, um, the relationship that can be built through that shared experience. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. All right. You've got one more? I do have one more. Um, obviously, on the trade show floor, there were a lot of reveals this year. Um, and I thought that the the creativity of the reveals and certainly the, the coaster trains, the coaster cars that we got to see was really, really cool, like next level. But there's one that I really want to talk a little bit about. And it's the one from Holiday World, the gravy boat coaster train. Uh, that I, even the top thrill two looks like a coaster train, right? You know, so many of them, they still have elements of, of a coaster train that we are familiar with. This looks like it would be much more at home on your grandmother's table at Thanksgiving. And I was just blown away by not only the creativity that, you know, the, that went into designing that and building it, that they would actually say from idea, Hey, let's make the coaster look like a gravy boat to the actual design and manufacture of it. I think when you talk about the health of the industry, I think that's another indication of it that we're not just creating or, or designing and building things that used that look like they used to be that there's a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity and chances. People are taking chances with what they're putting out there for the public to see. Are there people that are going to be a little bit leery of getting into a gravy boat? I don't know, right? I think it's so cool looking that I'd love to ride it. But just that that thought process that it's almost like that, why not? You know, why not have a a coaster car that looks like a gravy boat. So to me, that again, indicates a strength of the industry. Uh, but also I'm just blown away by the, the creativity, the ingenuity, and quite frankly, the risk that someone would take to create a, a coaster car that looks like that. And I think that risk is going to pay off. <laughs> anything that holiday world does really well, it's put in world-class attractions and, and, and think about the the PR and the publicity of yeah they're building a roller coaster that's themed to gravy no big deal right <laughs> <laughs> good gravy like like yeah of course there's one of those at every park no it's something that that it, it also like ties in with Holiday World's brand and that little bit of quirkiness of of yes we can get away with building a gravy themed roller coaster yes yes yeah. uh, were there were there any that you saw that uh, caught your eye. Any of those reveals? Um, well, so I didn't get to see any of the reveals themselves, but I did get to see a, a lot of the trains. Uh, so obviously the the gravy boat. Um, and then, yes, honorable mention to Top Thrill 2. Got a, got a picture sitting with Adam Sandy in it, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Hot Wheels at the Chance booth. 
yes. has made me increasingly more and more and more excited about Mattel Adventure Park. Um, uh, even though I'm, I've already been very excited about it, and there's going to be going to be some Barbie attractions with, it. and so like all all the Mattel IP just like interacting with each other, um, and then Falcon's Flight at the at the Intamin booth. I go into Six Flags uh, Kidia, and uh, that has a windshield. I heard that. Yes. 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 <laughs> so that's the uh, that's the bug catcher on the coaster train that has a windshield instead yeah. of wiring guests to wear goggles. So, yeah. Well, when you're going like 800 miles an hour, it's it's probably good <laughs> to have something right to catch the bugs. Right. Yes. Well, and as I'm sure you know, um, even riding Millennium Force, um, there are times when the the bugs are um, quite evident, and uh, would be nice to have a little windshield on that on those on those hot summer nights. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, I have one more. I know we gave we gave six here, but I'm going to give a, a bonus one here, and uh, it it just you know can't go without mentioning that IAPA Expo is not the same without Matt Heller there. And I will tell you the amount of people that came up to me during the show just to ask about you saying they were so sad that you couldn't be there. Uh, you know, I kept saying, I was like, I don't know what IAPA Expo is like without Matt. I've, I've never, I've never lived in that world. And I will say with all that you did during the week and the amount that your name came up in conversation, it very much felt like you were there. I uh, loved the videos that you were putting out every single morning. Uh, loved the the things that so many people did for you. There was, I don't know if if you got the big get well soon card that was that was going around. Uh, I remember seeing that. There it is. Yeah, feel better yeah. soon. I know I I signed it somewhere on there. You did, uh, and yeah, you even and put even we are all attraction pros. Yeah, yes. I put hashtag <laughs> we are all attraction pros. Love it, love and, it. Uh, I. Yeah, and I, I look forward to seeing you there next year. Well, thank you. And um, I mean, I was just thoroughly touched and honored by all the people that reached out, you know, whether it was a text or sent a video or whatever, that um, again, it really did me, make me feel like I was there in, in some way, um, but that, um, uh, you know, the, the care of the people in this industry is beyond measure. I mean, I think that's that's one thing that I took away from this is that um, while I couldn't be there, it was no pun intended heartbreaking for me to to say that I couldn't go. Uh, but there were so many people that I'm very close to, and some people that I know maybe only tangentially through IAPA or I mean through um, LinkedIn or Facebook or things like that that also reached out or or sent sent a kind word and. That just meant uh, a ton to me. So um, I intend, knock on wood, to be back in 2024, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, I cannot wait to get back to the expo. Yeah, well, that I mean, you really make a, a good point just about the the people in the industry, and that's I, I know that's both of our favorite reason, you know, for you know for going there and at a show that attracts you know 40,000 people, knowing that. Uh, there, there's these core groups of people that really look out for each other. Uh, that's what makes it feel really special and really impactful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with 2023 now in the books and looking forward to 2024, there's obviously a lot of time between now and then. What are you looking forward to? Maybe in the industry, maybe at the expo next year, 
what's coming up? What's what are you looking forward to? I feel like there's a lot of really exciting things on the horizon in in the industry. There's a lot of new parks under construction, which is just so amazing to see in in the U.S. and abroad. And so as a as a consumer, I you know it's it's extremely exciting. Um, you know, I I personally I I'm excited for what 2024 might bring for for me for my business for this was you know for a, a little bit of a transition year uh you know for those who who know me i you know with with my book coming out aligning with everything that i've been consulting on and building training workshops on i hope to be able to to leverage that not just to grow my business but to be able to to continue to serve the industry and finding new ways to uh to help attractions grow their guest experience to build raving fans to drive loyalty, to eliminate the phrase "let me get my manager" and <laughs> uh, and help uh, you know the the reason why we do what we do is to create phenomenal experiences that create memories that last a lifetime. Very well said. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> uh, really, uh, very similar. Um, you could just take out the guest experience word and put employee experience in there. Um, looking to help as many people as possible continue to improve the way that they train their employees and treat their employees and treat their leaders and, and develop their leaders throughout the industry. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting if we, if we talk about IAPA as a business builder, just for a second, um, you know, that was one of the reasons that I was upset about not being able to go to IAPA because this is where I am able to get in front of all the people that I want to work with, you know, and it was funny, my wife and I were talking today about when the cardiologist told me that I was going to have surgery and I wasn't going to be able to, you know, it was going to be like a four to six week, um, uh, a recovery period. And she, she said that I wasn't upset about the surgery. I wasn't nervous about, you know, going into the knife or anything like that. She goes, what you said was, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to IAPA. And again, because I, I wanted to see all my friends, I wanted to experience all the electricity and everything that you talked about, but it's such a great way to build the business. And um, I, I feel very fortunate that you were there speaking on my behalf in a couple of couple of instances and that there were so many people that, you know, remember things that I've done in the past and, and will still, you know, want to continue working with me in the future. So, you know, I, I don't advocate for missing an IAPA because of that, but um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, there's, there's enough goodwill out there and enough, enough momentum built up that we're able to uh, continue on with that. So yes, that's what I'm looking forward to a lot. Also from your perspective, the consumer perspective, I'm really looking forward to all those new rides that we get to ride. Um, speaking of top thrill um, as, as, uh, as of today, um, Adam Sandy had posted a picture of Top Thrill, the top of the, the spire um, that just won. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm going to have to have my heart checked before and after I ride that thing. But um, so excited for all those new experiences that we get to have and what 2024 is going to bring to the industry. Very well said. Uh, well, 2023 was quite an exciting year. And uh, like we said, it, it certainly wasn't, the expo was certainly not the same without you, but of course, looking forward to seeing you in 2024 and beyond and I'm sure several times in between if possible. And of course, for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.